Welcome to the C3 Oxford Falls podcast. For more information about our church, please visit myc3church.net. Wherever you are listening from right now, get ready to receive as God has a word just for you. Absolutely uh, honoured to be able to bring the word of God this morning at our Oxford Falls location. Uh, you know, it's been an interesting week. That's a nice euphemistic way of saying tough. Uh, but I am uh, just absolutely, you know, as, we, as Amanda and I have been seeking the Lord and, and thinking about uh, our walk during this time and what God is doing, uh, it's 32 years now that Amanda and I have been on the team with Pastor Phil and Chris. And uh, 32 years, <clears throat> you get to know people. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that Pastor Phil and Chris are the real deal, that they are followers of Jesus. They love God, love His church, love people, love the community. And I am absolutely uh, certain that God is doing something in this time. That He is, He is, you know, sometimes you're praying, God, reach this city, move in us. Bring us into activation in your mission for this city. And he goes, all right then. Not like that, God. But if you think about some of the glory stories of our church and some of the times when we have seen God move in the most powerful ways, it's it's like when we were getting this land and, and that was a tough time and yet we look back on it And it's not so much the toughness we dwell on, we dwell on what great stuff came out of it. And and we're seeing one of those times. And the amazing thing is, you mightn't have been there for that part of the story, but we're here now. And we get to stand together and shoulder to shoulder and and see God use us in extraordinary ways. Uh, Our God that we serve has got a heart for this city, no doubt. And he is equipping his people to make a real difference, not a token difference, but lives that are transformed. And so therefore, things happen that position us, and we are seeing that at the moment. And, and can I just say as well, you know, Amanda and I have been uh, on Pastor Phil and Chris's team for 32 years, and I know that in this service today, there's people that have been present in all of these seasons, that have that have given, that have been a part of our witness to this community. And I just want to salute you and thank you for your consistency and your faithfulness. What a privilege it is to do life with you and this great purpose. And, and I also love that not only have we got people that have been around for decades, but there's people here today and it's like their first time that they're joining us. And we love it when we have guests, we exist for this community. So well done. Well done, C3 Oxford Falls, for all that you do. Well, I have the privilege of bringing the word, as I've said, we have been doing a series on top of my world. And last week, uh, we started with that, with matters of the heart, and we are going on today to looking at the mind. Now, it seems like a statement of the the bleeding obvious to say that it's really important what's going on inside our head, right? Our thinking impacts everything from how we see ourselves and how we do life. Uh, But you would think that with the attention sometimes that we give our minds, 
that maybe it's not so obvious because we can let our minds just go crazy with the stuff that's going inside there and be profoundly impacted by that. Uh, Henry Ford said this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Uh, a, an author and philosopher, Santosh Kalwa, said this, we are addicted to our thoughts. We cannot change anything if we cannot change our thinking. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I love that proverb scripture because it's not just talking about sort of the surface level thinking. It's as we think in our heart. It's the deep stuff. It's the really important stuff. It's the big questions. And what we think about those questions profoundly impact how we do in life. Questions like, who am I? If we don't have an answer to that, or we're believing a lie, we are not doing well as a human being. Why am I here? We wake up in the morning and we do not have a truthful and satisfying answer to that. We can have everything in terms of stuff and not be doing well. Where am I from? If we think we are only the result of random chance over a long period of time, that will have a vastly different outcome than if we think that we are the result of a creator, loving God who designed us and wanted us to be. Where will I go when I die? If we think we're just carbon, hydrogen, oxygen and a few trace elements, it's going to become worm food. Well, you're going to live life differently to if you know that you are being created for eternity to be in the presence of God and in the short days we've got on this earth to make a difference to His glory. It profoundly impacts us. Yeah, let's give God a hand. Let's, let's thank Him for what He has given us. So this is my outcome for bringing this message this morning, that we take a hold of the biblical keys to having a healthy and victorious thought world. And so that we achieve that, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would speak, uh, speak to us through your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to take this word and to empower it and to touch the hearts and minds of everybody that is in this building today and everybody who is engaging through live stream that you would speak to us and we would be different because you touched us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my, my first point, if you're taking notes today, is it's a jungle in there. It's a jungle in there. Does anyone else find that it can be a jungle in there? Uh, I uh, really suffer from distraction. I can uh, be thinking about something in a moment, go somewhere and go, how the heck did I get there? I was driving uh, from uh, Amanda's mum's place at St. Ives uh, this week and I was behind a bus and it had an ad on it and I don't even know what the ad was about. It just said, Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Right. So I looked at that and I looked at Englishmen. Why are Englishmen called English? Anglo, Anglo-Saxons, 
Anglos, they were Germanic tribes. How did Germanic tribes get across the English Channel? And as the bus takes off, I'm going, what am I doing thinking about Germanic tribes? How did I even get there? I, I can do that while I'm trying to pray. Anyone else? You just go, I, I go down this rabbit hole and wonder how on earth I got there. But it's not just distraction. Our thinking can be influenced from so many different places. And some of it good, and some of it not good at all. Uh, Amanda and I uh, and our family, they don't so much these days because they're growing up, join us. But, but for years and years, over 20 years, we would have a summer holiday camping on the south coast of New South Wales. Now, the thing about camping in a campsite is there's not a whole lot separating you from the family next door. Right? Two thin pieces of fabric, your tent wall and their tent wall. That's about it. And so you really just get to see, if you're there for a couple of weeks, how families do life. And uh, we, we had uh, absolute lake frontage tent site, very posh. And behind us and to the right was this family. And, and it just appeared that as we watched this family doing life, that dad viewed life through angry lenses. So he would see things and get angry. He would re react angrily. And one of the things you'd hear sadly a couple of times a day, he, he had a seven-year-old son, and he would yell his son's name, and then he would say, you're an idiot. Right? So this is dad speaking to this seven-year-old about who he is. And not surprisingly, as we got to know things over the years, this young man really struggled at school. Because you don't do well at school when you're an idiot. You don't even think you're going to grasp concepts when you're an idiot because that's something that other people do. And so it was unsurprising that there was many parts of his world that were impacted. I mean, in a couple of weeks, you do what you can. We'd be sitting there in the tent and this young fellow would walk past, be playing with a toy or something. And we'd go, oh, what's that you got there? And he'd walk over and show you and you'd go, wow, that's really interesting. Hey, tell me, what's one of the really cool things you learned at school this last year? You'd think for a while and he'd go and he'd tell you. you go, wow, that's awesome. I reckon you'd be really good at that. And you just put in what you could. One of the other campers who was a school teacher also heard the same thing and started doing, and I saw this year after year, remedial maths and remedial reading while we were on holidays. So there are things that can just come into our life that can profoundly affect our thinking and therefore how we see ourselves and how we do life. And I've put them into two big categories, lies and lenses. Lies and lenses. I'm going to go on to the positive stuff in a moment, but some of the stuff that really impacts us, lies and lenses. Lies can be things like, particularly with regard to the big questions, who am I? Loser. You're a mistake. Boring. You'll never amount to anything. Now, if someone significant has ever said some of those, they can just lodge. They're a lie, they're not true, but they can just lodge in us, and that becomes a part of how we view ourselves. It can be even not something that someone has said, but just a thought that comes from somewhere. Well, I'll tell you where it comes from this morning. It comes from our adversary, the devil. And sometimes it's just like, oh, 
Where'd that come from? Dad passed away when he was 50, so I'm going to pass away when I'm 50. Or you face a trauma, you know you'll never feel safe. And these things just can come in and lodge and become a part of our reality. Lies. Lies that lodge. Lenses. We can have things that come into our world and they profoundly impact our perception. We don't get a true read because of these things. Things like anxiety and fear. Classic. When, when we have the lenses of anxiety, we can be facing a tough situation and we look at it and just go, that's going to take me out. Or if things are good, you're going, that's never going to last. Anxiety and fear just shape our perception. Anger distorts our perception. Insecurity. If we're insecure, someone can try and bless us and we'll go, no, they're not. They're trying to take my power. They're trying to undermine me. Complete misread. Shame. I reckon shame's one of the big ones that the enemy is using these days. Shame crushes the spirit causes us to shrink, causes us to just retreat because we don't want to be shamed and humiliated. And if we let all of these thoughts run riot, then it can profoundly impact the experience that we have of life. So if that's the case, what do we do? How can we have a healthy and victorious thought world? Well, I'm going to give you some keys to do that now. Firstly, we engage our will. I love it. We, we've got a decision to make. You know, Saundi once said to me something I thought which was awesome because we can sometimes feel like things are out of control and um, <clears throat> the rest of the time it's really awesome what he says. But this one was just awesome. And... <clears throat> Saundi, because sometimes people say, look, I don't have the power to be able to make a difference. This is my world. These are circumstances beyond my control. And Saundi referred to a story in the Bible where a guy who was demon-possessed and in really, really bad shape, like he had chains on him and he scraped himself with pottery, but somehow he made it to the feet of Jesus. And if, if we can make it to Jesus' feet for help, then anything can be changed. And so that guy in that story had to engage his will, right? God's given us one of them. We can choose. And so what we can do is say, no, I'm not going to believe the lies. No, I'm not going to let those lenses stay in place. It's not going to happen in Jesus' name. That's the first step. And I am not talking today about, no, I'm making a resolution. I'm going to do my best here. Who's tried a New Year's one of them? Right. And it lasted how long? You know, they can get a really bad rap. No, this is a decision that we make before God and we engage all of heaven to help us pull this off. We get some heavy artillery from heaven to be able to then see our thinking change. The old lies, not no more. So let's look at a scripture which speaks very powerfully into this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
Wow, a stronghold can be a thinking thing we've been trying to get through and we can't dislodge it. But when we get the weapons of heaven in play, we're going to demolish that thing. We demolish arguments, it says in verse 5, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now that's pretty powerful stuff. First, we choose, we decide. Second, we renounce and we repent. Right? There might be some thoughts that we've just taken a hold of and we need to say, I renounce that. Now, Amanda, give me a good definition of renounce. You told me. Break the contract agreement? Okay. We break the agreement with words we've said. Now, I'm going I'm to explain this. So we renounce and we repent. That means we might have been uh, going in a certain direction because of a lie we're believing, and we go, I'm turning around. I'm going to go in a new direction. All right? So one, we make a decision. Two, renounce and repent. I'll explain a bit more of that in a moment. And thirdly, we get prayer. So you've got to be a little bit humble because if you want to look like you've got it all together, you don't ask someone for prayer. But if you want to look like you've got it all together, I tell you what, we have just got a big target on us and the enemy will take us out. But when we're humble, we get prayer, then we get, man, we've got the heavy machinery out. We're going to start demolishing these things that have got a stronghold in our life. So it could work something like this. When we were a kid, the group of friends that we were with said, you're, not, you're no longer a part of our group. We reject you. You might say, well, what's that got to do with us? We're adults. Oh, boy. Those things can lodge for a long time. And you might have said, that hurts so much that I am not going to be in a close relationship with anyone. So if someone tries to be my friend, I'm going to reject them. And so we were rejected and we reject them. But then we can come to a place and we can see the destructiveness of that lie and that lens of rejection. And we go to God and we go, all right, I choose to no longer let this lens of rejection be in place. And so we break the contract with that, that we break the agreement with that vow we've made of I'm going to no longer let anyone get close to me. I, I, I'm not going to hold that vow anymore. I break it in Jesus' name. And I turn away from that and I'm going in a new direction and you get people in connect group to gather around and say, okay, we're agreeing with you. The prayer of agreement, we agree this is broken in Jesus' name. And we see this thing that was once a stronghold undermined and destroyed. And then you get the scripture. Oh, here we go, here we go. Then you get the truth out and you, and you replace the lie, the lying lens with the truth. And I found, I found this with regard to rejection. Romans 15.7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I'm not rejected. I'm accepted by God in heaven. I'm accepted by Him. I'm accepted by the most important person that I could ever be accepted by. Therefore, I'm going to accept others. 
And God enables us to be transformed, changed. No longer those lenses that hold us captive. We make a decision. Renounce, repent. We get prayer. And we get the Word of God. And I want to just tell you a little bit about this this Word of God's ability to bring transformation. I, I have been profoundly changed by the Word of God and the life and truth that it brings in my life. It says this in Romans 12, chapter, sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't conform anymore to the pattern of this world. We do not need to conform anymore to the lies we have been told about ourselves. We don't need to stick with that. We don't need to let them tell us who we are. Some of them might have been specific and some are like big picture lies, like you are just a random outcome with no inherent value. But when we listen to the truth, God didn't have one of us, so he made one of us to be like him, to be in relationship with him and to do what he has called us to do and live a life filled with purpose on the earth. My goodness. The pattern of this world is really nasty in that if we're believing a lie, it says you can't change. You're just like your mother. You're just like your father. You know, a leopard can't change its spots. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You'll never change. But the gospel message is that we can be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Now, I get particularly excited about this because as a biologist, well, an amateur one these days, I was once a professional, I used to look at things like metamorphosis. Now, metamorphosis is the actual Greek word that is translated to transformation in English. So it's talking about like what we see in creation of metamorphosis. You know, a butterfly is not a caterpillar with some legs stuck on it and some wings. It it is a new creation. Inside that chrysalis... All of the, it's not like even the tissues are still there and get rearranged a bit. The tissues all like dissolve. And it's, it's just, all the building blocks are there. And then, by the hand of a creator, they all come together again to make a new creation. We can be transformed into a new creation. And one of the main ways this happens is through the power of the Word empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, it's an amazing thing that I'm up here speaking to you today because that does not align with how I spent my years as a young person until I was about about 20. When I was at school, if I was ever asked to speak in front of people, I would be absolutely terrified. I'd, I, I would do anything to avoid that. At the time, I didn't know what was going on, but I just knew that I thought if I, need to, if I have to speak in front of people, there will be one outcome, and that is humiliation. 
I'll just make an idiot of myself and I will be humiliated and everyone will see my humiliation. Isn't it weird the things that get in, you know, it was just to speak in front of people. And you know, no one's going to shoot me or anything. But I was convinced it would end in humiliation. So I spent my school years avoiding speaking in front of people to the best of my ability. Uh, in year 12 English, as the teacher is uh, doing Othello and choosing people to read out the bits, I just sort of shrink behind a textbook. And if she said, oh, Pat, could you do Othello? I'd just be like, sure, no problem. And underneath, I'm just dying. Legs knocked together, face goes red, my voice goes up an octave when I'm just trying to talk. It was just a shocker. Uh, now, when I was in year 10, an amazing thing happened, and that is that I came into relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Before then, I was a church goer. I kind of knew about Jesus, but when I was in year 10, because of the ministry of a school teacher, a guy called Mac Lindsay at Forest High School, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and, and a part of that coming into relationship with God, he awakened dreams in me that I wasn't that excited about. And one of them was, I wanted to be able to explain the Word of God to people to help them follow Jesus and, and to do well in their walk with the Lord. Now, either... God calls things that are not as though they were, or that was a really nasty dream to give me. So I spent a long time just avoiding this whole thing. Uh, I would even avoid prayer meetings, because in Anglican prayer meetings, there's two things you need to do. Before you pray, you go, so who's going to open in prayer? Uh, fantastic. Who's going to close? Anyone? Anyone? Pat, you can close in prayer. Okay, fantastic, all right. And I would spend the next 15 minutes just dying. Just go, what am I going to say? Head swimming. And then when there's a really awkward silence and everybody is looking at me to close in prayer, I just like stammer out, God, just thank you, just awesome and stuff. Yeah, I'm in. <sighs> but this thing wouldn't shift that God had put in me. So one day I made an appointment to go and see the Reverend Len Straw. And the Reverend Len was our Anglican minister. Beautiful older gentleman. Reverend Len, I believe God's put this in me, but I freak out whenever I have to speak in front of people. And he said, okay, Pat, let's just have a look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And we looked at it together. And he said, well, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So, so Pat, that's telling me that this fear is not from God, so you don't need to put up with it. And it says he's given you a spirit of power, so the power of the Holy Spirit can help you to overcome this spirit of fear, that God's love is for you, and rather than having a mind full of fear, you can have a mind which is sound. And so he prayed for me, and what I did is I memorized and meditated on that word, because I had a well-worn rut in my thinking. And that well-worn rut was, do something in front of people, humiliation. I know how it works. 
It's just, I didn't even have to think about it. My, my, my thinking would just go like a train down tracks. Humiliation, humiliation, that's what happened. And so I just darted, weaved, dived. Um, the problem is Mr. Lindsay was trying to disciple me to be a leader, which meant giving me situations to speak in front of people, which freaked me out. So he's doing that, and I just go, no, thanks, Mr. Lindsay. Tremendous idea, Mr. Lindsay. I'm busy that night, Mr. Lindsay. Sorry, I can't do that, Mr. Lindsay. But as I meditated on this, God started to pull apart the lenses and the lies and put truth there instead. And instead of the old rut, he began to form this new groove in my thinking that I can speak by the power of God. He loves me. He's not going to let me just stand up there and, and make an idiot of myself. He's going to come through and, and I'm going to have a sound mind. I'm not going to be freaking out and I'm going to be able to do this thing. So I said, okay, Jesus, I'm in. The next day, Mr. Lindsay asked me again, Pat, can you share your story about how you came into a relationship with Jesus? It was a camp on the Central Coast. So that night, we had the guitars out, the marshmallows, the fire. We were singing Kumbaya. We're, to, we're talking the early 80s here, people. And then Mr. Lindsay goes, and Pat's just going to tell us his story about how he met Jesus. I'm thankful it was dark because I think my knees were shaking a bit. But as I began to tell my story, I felt the Holy Spirit help me. I actually started to enjoy it. And then when I finished and I sat down, Mr. Lindsay goes, is there anybody else here who would like to know Jesus like Pat knows Jesus? And some of those school kids that were there went, I'd like to. And I'm just looking at it going, check that out. That's amazing. Oh my goodness, God. And I had experienced what it's like to be transformed by the renewal of your mind into a new creation. So as I finish this morning, just want to look at one final scripture, and uh, it is this one about not having a battlefield and chaos in our minds, but actually that we can have peace. Look at what it says here in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now, when it says perfect peace, do you know what the, that says in the underlying, uh, the, the, the underlying Hebrew? It's, he will keep you in shalom, shalom. Whenever it's perfect, it's, the, it's said twice. And shalom is not just the absence of strife kind of peace. Shalom is the presence of blessing kind of peace. And he's saying that we can experience the blessing peace of God, because our mind is steadfast. And why is our mind steadfast? Because we trust in God. I have found that that place of trust, that he's big and he's loving, enables me to have a steadfast mind and enables me to have peace in the storm. And the ultimate way that we step into that is what I was talking about just a little while before, that when I was 15, I took a step of trusting in God. And that step was 
well, God, I know about you. Indeed, I went to a church school and I got 100% in my religion tests. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him as my saviour. I hadn't trusted him to save me from my sins that I might know the Father in heaven and have eternal life. And I didn't know him as my Lord. I was still Lord. I was calling the shots. But when I was 15, I said, well, I believe in you, Jesus, that you're my Savior. You died that I might live. And you're my Lord. I don't call the shots anymore. You do. And the amazing thing about that is I, I actually experienced some transformation straight away. There are other kids at school going, Pat, you went to that, that water sport camp up on the Central Coast with all the God brothers. What happened to you? You've changed. And it was because I knew God. And the God that I knew, He was so trustworthy that I could have a steadfast mind and I could experience peace. Hey everyone, what a joy it is to bring the Word of God to so many people all around the world every week. And I just love technology for that reason, that we're able to broadcast through television, through podcasts, through social media, and to bring Jesus into people's worlds in all kinds of ways. Obviously, there are costs to that. There are uh, expenses in reaching out and accomplishing this preaching of the Gospel. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, how shall I go unless somebody send them? And he's talking about the beautifulness of, of the preaching of the Gospel, how it brings peace and joy into people's world. And so the people who are sending us into other people's worlds is you and the people of our congregations. And I'd love you to join with them and with us as partners, sending the Gospel throughout all the world, through all these means that God has put in our hands. And as we partner together, I know that there will be thousands of people in heaven for eternity because of our efforts together. God has called us to do this and we depend on people to send us and support us in taking the Gospel to the world. I wanna say thank you for standing with us and believing God. I'm praying and asking God to touch you and to bless your seed that you sow so that you'll experience an incredible harvest in your lives, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. Hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at C3 Oxford Falls.